we have this expectation that once you get fit, quote unquote, the struggle is over. Like you find that perfect diet or the perfect workout, you do that for a month and then bam, you're fit. And it's like, that just is not true. Like all fitness people, everybody struggles. That's inherent to all of life is struggle. The key is, do you struggle and give up or do you struggle and learn from the experience? Do you have a growth mindset? Do you dust yourself off and get up again? You are listening to The Ultimate Biohack for Women, a movement of women who know what they want and go get it. You know the answers lie within. Reach in and grab hold. This is a movement, a movement of women who tune in and turn themselves on. Now you're biohacking the woman's way, integrating the art and science of hacking your biology like a woman. Tap your magic, conjure your yes, upgrade, elevate, maximize your potential. I'm Dr. Brandy Victory, and this is a movement, a movement that is sure to hack your soul. Hey mama, I got a quick question for you. Have you been feeling frazzled, not quite feeling juiced up? Well, I have a solution for you. Too many women have been telling me they feel flat, blah, anxious all over the place and have lost touch with their turn on. Hey, this is not okay. And if this is you, you must right now, this very moment, click the link in the show notes and register for the Frazzled to Fabulous free five-day retreat. Yes, we're having a virtual retreat and it is completely free and you are going to shift your frazzled to fabulous. I am here for you. I'm really excited. I've been working for a few weeks on creating the most ecstatic, fun, turned on, juiced up yesness for you. And we begin on June 22nd. So let's get juicy, baby. Hello, beautiful women. I am coming back to you with another incredible interview. I'm so excited to share this with you. You are going to be inspired and uplifted and have some new ideas in how to train your brain and train your body and get back into better alignment physically and mentally to your own fitness. So I am excited to introduce Kathleen Trotter. She's a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, life coach, and overall health enthusiast. She's the author of Finding Your Fit, a compassionate trainer's guide to making fitness a lifelong habit, as well as the book, Your Fittest Future Self, making choices today for a happier, healthier, healthier, fitter future you. So Kathleen, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have you. You know, fitness is one of my big things that I really, really love. And to have someone speak from a place of compassion around fitness is really not common in the trainer's world or in the gym world, or even in the the women in my listenership who are like, well, I'd like to work out, but I just can't stand the environment. So uh, thank you for being here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I loved how in your uh, introduction, you said, inspired and uplifted that people are going to feel that way after listening to me and our conversation. And that just so gels with my philosophy, which is that eating well and exercising and being healthy is about empowering ourselves and energizing ourselves. And it frustrates me so much because so much of the fitness discourse is, you know, shaming and it's about, you know, self-flagellation. Oh my goodness. Not a great way to start the, I can't even talk words today. Um, You're good. You're I'm going to have, com- no, I'm going to have compassion with myself um, and, <laughs> and keep going, you know, cause we're all only human. That's right. Yeah. So thank you. Um, compassion is, and you know, 
to have compassion for another person is so easy. I have compassion for my patients way easier than I have compassion for myself. Right. And I think yeah, we all- it's very hard. I completely agree. I think the thing with compassion is we think of it as this really light word, or we think of it as compassion is saying like, oh, well, who cares? I didn't work out. It doesn't matter. We, we can confuse compassion with like being quote unquote easy on ourselves. Mm. And I really try to instill in all of my readers and my clients that actually compassion is making choices because you love yourself, setting really appropriate boundaries, making choices because your future you um, is going to feel fitter, healthier, happier. You know, think of it almost like learning how to parent yourself, right? You wouldn't say to a kid, oh, well, who cares? You did badly on your math test. Like, what does it matter? But you also wouldn't say to them like, oh, you're such a loser. You should just go to your room and never get out again. You know, you would say, how do we learn from this experience? Should, you know, do we need to get you a tutor? Are you not feeling uh, motivated, supported? Uh, what can we do differently next time? So it's that middle ground where you say, like, I love myself. And how do I treat myself with that love and respect that I deserve? And it goes with everything, right? Like you put good food into your body because you respect yourself and your body is not a garbage can. Um, you exercise because your future self will feel better and stronger and more empowered. Um, and that it's that appropriate response of, okay, I'm noting what I, the decision I made and if that made me proud or not proud. Um, and then I'm continuing on with my life with that new information versus the like, well, I'm just, I'm a shamed human being. I'm terrible. I should just, you know, go back to bed or I should skip another workout or I should eat more cookies. I think shaming uncompassionate self-talk normally just spirals and makes you make very bad decisions. Whereas compassionate self-talk that notes your decision, uh, but keeps you going under the right path. That is where you, your future self makes those healthier, happier decisions. Oh, that's so beautiful. And so how do you recommend people go from the beating oneself up and giving up on oneself to having compassion and conscious parenting of oneself? Oh, I love that. The conscious parenting. That's great. Um, how do you go from one to another? I think it's a process. And I think you have to tell yourself that it's not a one plus one equals two. You, and you, it's not a binary, I think is maybe the best way to put it. It's not that you either have terrible self-talk and you parent yourself terribly, or you're the best parent in the world. You know, I think most of the clients who I train who are parents will tell me, you know, some days they're better at parenting their, than others, uh, but they always unconditionally love their child. And I think that that's where we have to get to with ourselves. Like we always unconditionally love ourselves, but some days our self-talk is going to be better than others. And as long as you're trending in the right direction, and as long as you learn to note, um, oh, interesting, I just use really unproductive self-talk. I wouldn't use that on my parent or my child or somebody that I love. So it's learning to talk to yourself in the way that you would talk to somebody that you love. Um, but it's not you're either quote unquote good at it or bad at it. It's like, okay, I'm noting. And listen, I have been in therapy for 20 years and I still fall into unproductive self-talk often. But the difference is, is the self-talk is sort of a little bit softer um, mm. and I can tell it to go away a little bit easier. Like I'm getting, I'm trying to get much better at saying, oh, interesting, Kathleen. Like there's that inner critic coming out. That's an interesting thing. Okay, you know, inner critic, could you just go for a coffee right now? Like I appreciate that you've helped me maybe in the past or you're there for a reason, but I don't need you right now. Um, so I note it and I say to myself, okay, like I, you know, in five years, five years in the future, I don't necessarily want to be saying those things to myself, but current Kathleen is proud that I can at least step back and, and note, um, how I'm talking to myself. And 
um, I think we get into a lot of trouble with health and fitness in general, because we create this binary with ourselves, like either I'm good or I'm bad. And yes. if I'm bad, well, I might as well have more cookies. I might as miss more workouts. I'm a failure. Um, and I like to uh, say to my clients, just learn to be a professional about your health. You know, like if you miss a day of work because you're sick, you don't quit your job. You go back to work when you're feeling better. Mm. Um, and that's the thing with health, right? Like show up for yourself on a daily basis. And that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because perfect doesn't exist. But it does mean that if you have a misstep and you have some negative self-talk um, or you miss a workout or you have a cookie or whatever, you say like, okay, now, you know, I get back, I get back on the horse. I'm a professional about my health and I show up for myself and I do the best I possibly can. Mm. Um, and then you have compassion when you are only human because we are all only human, you know, case in point. I totally couldn't speak when we started this interview. I don't know, maybe I was a little bit nervous or I was anxious, but I just, you know, I took a deep breath and I kept going. And that's, that's the trick of health. It's a trick of life, but it's really the trick to, to health and learning to be compassionate with yourself. It's a process. It's a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Very, that's very good. You know, one of the things that's coming to mind that I'm personally finding really helpful in my life right now, I've done this kind of work before in the past, but it seems like, especially with being at home and, um, I have recently quit all my other jobs and gone into business with my, for myself only, like I'm only doing my own business now. And ah, so congratulations. That's hard. That's takes courage. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. But you know, what's really interesting is back in the day, which wasn't that long ago, I had all this structure. I got up at five o'clock in the morning. I went to the gym. I went to work. I came home. I ate dinner. You know, like there was structure. And now in this crazy time that we're in, especially, there's not really any structure. I'm like, okay, I've got to create my own structure. Yeah. And one of the things that I'm, I'm doing is I'm, I'm noting in my journal, my uh, planner, like, okay, how am, because one of my big tr pr troubles with um, without, without structure is I'll just work until I fall asleep. I mean, oh my I, God. I, I hear you. I do that too. A lot of self-employed people do that. It's the bleeding of the work and the home life. It's, it's very hard. It all bleeds together. Yeah. It's so lovely. I love it so much. And it's so, so vital that for me at least, and I think for most women is that we create some kind of structure for ourselves, a container where we can care for ourselves. So for me now I'm like, okay, first thing I'm going to get up and I have a cup of coffee or tea, and then I'm going to get my workout in. And then I'm going to chant, like I have this structure yeah. that I'm creating for myself, but I literally have to write it down. Well, I think what I'm hearing from you is this level of awareness of what the choices that you make in your current self that will lead to a healthier, fitter future you. And even if that future you is just half an hour from now, right? Like when you do a workout, you're always in a better mood after. I always say to myself, the worse my mood, the more important my workout. Um, and I think it's key to understand for ourselves that we can't bring our best selves to our work, to our family, to our friends. Um, if we're burnt out, you know, depressed, tired, exhausted, or, you know, or dead, like it's, we can't do it. We have to um, fill the vessel first. You have to protect that vessel first, put our own oxygen mask on um, and be aware. I think the awareness is key, right? If you're journaling or if you're doing self-talk or if you're, you know, talking to a therapist or who, what, however you're getting that awareness of noting the things that are going to make you that best version of you, because that's, it's different for everybody. Um, and then the key is to, to understand that we are always creating habits. The question is, are we creating them by default or design? And especially in this crazy COVID time, you know, life has changed for most people, um, whether we kind of like it or not. But 
in that time of change, what happens is automatically habits change just because your lifestyle has changed, right? You're not walking to the office. You're not driving to the office. You're not driving your kids to school. So you can either unconsciously be sort of reactive in your life and then your new habits will be created for you. Or you can do what you did, which was say, okay, I'm going to design the life and the habits and the rituals that are going to serve me. So I say to my clients, it's about habits by default or design. And you can sort of think about that. Um, And again, like this is not a perfect or an unperfect binary, you know, we're all learning in this new crazy world. So it's a process, but it is a key thing to be aware of is that what we say, you know, a yes to one thing is a no to something else or a no to one thing is a yes to something else. And that our life will be taken over for us if we don't consciously decide at least a few things that we can control, right? And a lot, there's so many things right now that are out of our control, but there's always a few things that are in our control. Our reaction to things, um, if we just take a moment and we breathe, if we have enough water, um, and if we try to move our body every day, even if that's just like taking a conference call as you walk around your apartment. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so vital right now, right? That we feel like we have control over something. It's something. Just- yeah. It's even more vital right now than ever because everything else is so out of control. And also because moving and eating well, you know, it's not just good for our body, but it's good for our brain. It helps with like mental fog. It helps with concentration. It helps again, us bring our best selves to the people around us. And if you're in isolation with your family and you're seeing more, they might be people that you love more than anything on earth, but you're not used to seeing them all the time. And so even just that, like if you've had some time to yourself to exercise, to breathe, to meditate, to whatever is going to make you your fittest future you, um, then you're going to be able to be more calm and be able to respond to situations versus just react and snap at people. You know, like I hate when I snap at people. It happens a lot, but you know, then I have grace with myself and then I say, okay, Kathleen, have compassion with yourself and what can you learn from this situation? And you know, note it, like you just said, I think noting things is key, having enough awareness to note, um, and then having enough intention to decide um, what your future actions are going to be. Yeah, I think that's, that's a huge piece right there. Because I know there's plenty of women that are listening now, who would like to be eating better, who would like to be exercising more, who would like to be outside more, but it just isn't happening for them. But you, like you said, you know, having intention, like set the intention. Then I think also to add to that is honor your word to yourself. Yes. Show up for yourself. Be a professional about your health to yourself. Respect yourself enough to show up, but also have, again, I go back to the compassion because I'll give myself as an example. Um, You know, I'm normally the type of person who sort of wakes up um, and just gets out of bed and I'm excited for the day. I'm excited for my workout. I've trained my brain to know that I'll feel better after I work out. But listen, this last month or so has been really hard and I have been hitting the snooze alarm and I've been getting really mad at myself. Um, and I've just had to say, you know, Kathleen, maybe in this crazy time, you have to reset your expectations, mm-hmm. um, and set your alarm 15 minutes later. Like just give yourself a little bit of extra breathing room. Like this is hard. This doesn't, that doesn't mean I don't do my workout. It doesn't mean, um, you know, that I gorge on 17 pieces of cake, but within a healthy zone, I just relax the reins a little bit. And I say, okay, so you're going to do a little bit more parasympathetic exercise. So more yoga, more meditation, more Pilates, um, a little bit more sleeping, a little bit more water, um, and just a little bit more of the things that fill your cup in a gentle way because it's really stressful. But that took me a couple of days to wrestle with because I was quite mad at myself. I was like, Kathleen, this is not you. Like, get back on it. Like, why are you being so lazy? And then I was like, wait a second, you love yourself? 
you would not be happy if your clients talk to themselves like that. You would never talk to a client like that. You would never talk to your mother like that. Or your, you know, my partner, his name is James. You'd never talk to James like that. So like, why are you talking to yourself like that? Like, stop it. That's your evil roommate. So get that evil roommate out of your head. And like, what can you learn from this, right? Like all feelings and emotions and everything's just data. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Carol Dweck, her growth mindset. Um, but that is one of my favorite books. Um, anyone listening out, he out here, I think that if they get anything from this, it's this idea of growth mindset. Because the two key of growth mindset is that all experiences are just data. So it's not right or wrong or good or bad. You just sort of say, like, was I proud of that? Did that work? Did it not work? And then how do I use that data for future situations? And the word yet. So I'm not good at this yet. I can't do that yet. Because so many people shoot themselves in the foot, like they go for a run and then they're not very good at it. And they're like, oh, I can't run. And it's like, well, of course you can't run. You've never run before in your life. Like, why would you be good at that? So reset your expectations and say to yourself, I can't run yet. Or you try a new sport I, I, and you're not very good at it. Great. You're not great at it. You're not good at it, but you're not good at it yet. Practice will make better. Um, you know, you're not a great healthy cook. So fine. Do some research, learn how to be a better cook. Everything is yet. Everything is just, you have to put in the time. You know, you don't go to grade one math and think that you should be able to ace grade 12 math. You go to grade one and then you try to master grade one and then you go to grade two and then you go to grade three. And then when you get to grade 12, that's when you want to ace grade 12 math. Um, and I think a lot of us, you know, we get in our own way because we think we should be really good at fitness. Like we should be grade 12 at fitness when we only really have put in the work to be grade one at fitness, which is fine. There's no judgment in that statement. It's just like, give yourself the grace and the, and the time and the patience to get better. Um, and in this crazy COVID time, like have that realistic expectation of what you can do and step back and sort of be like, maybe the habits that I had pre-COVID don't. 100% fit what I need at this moment. Um, and if you're not good at navigating this crazy pandemic, you say to yourself, I'm not just great at navigating it yet. Like, why should I be good at this? Like, none of us have ever done a global pandemic before. Like, why should any of us be good at this? Right? So, <laughs> you know, it takes time and I'm getting, I don't know about you and everybody listening, but, you know, gradually as it keeps going, I'm getting ever so slightly better. Like my emotions are ever so slightly less close to the surface and I've created some good new normals and habits by design and I've set up my workstation so it's a little bit more comfortable. Um, and, you know, I'm not a, a plus at it yet. I'm not grade 12 math yet, but I'm at least grade one or grade two. Whereas when it all started, I was less than kindergarten. I was like crying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for that. It's it's fun that you use the term grace. It's a It's a big part of my my life and conversation. And uh, actually when I first, it, when I first started my podcast, it was called turn your soul on radio. Mm. Obviously now it's the ultimate biohack for women, but in the turn your soul on radio podcast, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, when I would interview women, it was part of the ambition and grace series. So oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, you fall right into alignment with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's whatever word you want to use, right? Like, honestly, sometimes I say to myself, calmness is a superpower, which is a similar to me as give myself grace. Like, I just think that however you want to frame it, life is better as in we make better choices when you can step back and just respond versus react that reactivity that like oh my god i've got to do this and this and this and this and just emotionally going you never bring your best self but when you can take a breath and step back and say you know i'm only human and i'm starting from only being human but then 
what could I do that's the best choice for me in this moment? That calmness, that ability to sort of objectively view the situation from slightly farther away, like on the balcony and look at the dance floor of your life life with that objectivity that that's key and I I think of that as like you know a little bit of grace a little bit of calmness a little bit of kind of dancing in the moment um, a little bit of the ability to sort of walk on a balance beam and not fall off like if you think about people who are graceful across like a balance beam if they're really 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 anxious and sort of shaking um, and reacting then they fall off but if they can just be calm and sort of be in the flow of it flow would be another word that I would often use with Mm. Like just get into the flow, like get out of your own head. It's all very similar to me. It's, um, it's just a, from a place that allows me to bring my best self. Beautiful. But it takes practice. Of practice, course practice, it practice, does. Practice, practice, practice. No, well, you say of course. And I think that that seems obvious to you and it seems obvious to me. But I think for a lot of people, it's really not obvious. Like I go back to what I said earlier. I think a lot of people fall into this binary of like, I'm either good at this stuff or I'm not. And if I'm not good at it, I shouldn't even try. Um, mm. and like, I'm only good at it cause I've spent 20 years of my life or more working really hard. Like the first half of my life, I was, you know, overweight, unfit. I ate my way through my parents' divorce. I hated being in my own skin. Mm. Um, and the only reason I'm here today, 20 years later is because I was like, okay, baby steps, really small baby steps. And I'm going to trend, uh, positive, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to aim for perfection cause that doesn't exist. And I'm not going to aim for overnight success. Wow. Yeah. So like, how did you go from eating your way through your parents' divorce and hating the skin that you're in to deciding that you're going to make this happen? Um, I think very gradually. So I credit my mother. She is an amazing human being. She was an only mom. Um, I was a single kid and we traveled around a lot. She was an actress and, um, I would do anything to get out of gym class. I would lie. I would sneak food. And, you know, she was, she was always trying to find solutions for me. Like she put me in, you know, she tried to get me into hockey and baseball and, you know, all these things. And I just, I hated being around other kids my own age. I think I just was too full of shame at that time. Uh, and so finally what she said to me is like, okay, Kathleen, we are going to find a solution. There's always a solution. That was her mantra for all of life. And you do better around people that are older than you. So we're going to get you a membership to the YMCA and the demographic at that time at the Y, it was a small town in Ontario, Canada, was like over 45 kind of thing and under five years old. So she said, you're going to be comfortable and you're just going to go and you're going to walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes. And that's what we did three nights after school a week for, you know, a couple of weeks we went and I walked for 10 minutes and I'd get off the treadmill and I'd be dizzy and kind of nauseous. Um, and then gradually 10 minutes turned into 20 minutes and then 20 minutes turned into, you know, 25 minutes. And then I started to do some weights and then I started to take aerobics classes and it kind of just spiraled. Um, but it really was the basis of my fitness philosophy for my first book, Finding Your Fit. Like, because my mom, she's such a smart woman. Like she just sort of said, like, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. If your friends are playing sports, if that doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. But being active is a non-negotiable. So we have to find your version of fit. And I say that to my clients all the time. It's about thriving in your own lane. Like who cares what your mom or your dad does or your favorite celebrity? Like the consistency with fitness really matters. So the benefits of the best workout are moot if you can't make yourself actually do the workout. So forget about other people and thrive in your lane and take the smallest step forward. And that will be kind of that first domino that will get you going. And then sell 
celebrate all the little wins and just keep going. So that's what I did. So eventually I started teaching aerobics and then that led me to personal training. And then that led me to do, I did a master's in exercise science, uh, which led me to do my nutrition coaching and my life coaching and Pilates and Aldoa and, you know, Paul check certifications and lots of fun nice. different things. Yeah. But it was just the ability to say like, I don't have to have it all figured out now. Like that took me 20, 20, I'm, I'm 22 years, that evolution. Um, and if I had said to myself like, oh, to, by tomorrow, I have to be, you know, the fit version of Kathleen that I can see in my mind, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, I had to work through the grades of fitness and I, you know, like that I had to go from kindergarten to grade one, to grade two, to grade three, you know? And yeah. yeah, and just be willing to put in the work and be willing to fall off my horse and then get back on and learn from that experience. Like, you know, I call it struggling well. And I think that this is really key. Like we have this expectation that once you get fit, quote unquote, the struggle is over. Like you find that perfect diet or the perfect workout, you do that for a month and then bam, you're fit. And it's like, that just is not true. Like all fitness people, everybody struggles. That's inherent to all of life is struggle. The key is, do you struggle and give up or do you struggle and learn from the experience? Do you have a growth mindset? Do you dust yourself off and get up again um, and then learn? So that's what I, I try. I learn. I try to learn. Yeah. And it, I think that's important information. You know, I, at one point, I personally have, have had body issues. I was 12 sizes bigger than I am now and um, obese and had to find my way into fitness as well. And, and I'm an all in kind of person. I'm a hundred percenter. So when I go all in, I'm all in. And so I eventually got into fitness to the point of deciding I was going to be uh I was do it going to do a show. And I, I thought, well, first let me practice it. So I went through the classes and learned how to pose on stage and all the stuff. And I did my diet, I dieted down and, and all these things. And, and what I was learning in this process was even those people who are at the top of that game, first of all, let me preface, I don't believe that's healthy and I didn't do it because it's not a healthy way to go. That's a whole nother story. Yeah. I, I would agree with you there. Yeah is not healthy. And that's why I was like, eh, this isn't for me. But um, what I, what I learned from the pros was that even each season, they may have to change their dietary strategy because the body changes. Yeah. It's all about tweaking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So for, you know, women, especially in the age group that mostly listens here, probably 35 to 55, um, you know, they're going through hormonal changes, their bodies are changing. And one, I think now is the most important time. I don't care how old you are to begin a fitness program so that you can mitigate those changes to the best of your ability. And number two, have compassion with yourself and notice like I got sick and I've, you know, this has happened to me several times. I've got, I got sick. And then when I recovered, I went back to working out and I was not nearly as strong as I had been before I got sick. And I was kind of like you, I was kind of hard on myself. Like, gosh, you know, I'm all the way back to square one, you know, that story. And then finally, you know, like you, I'm like, okay, you know what? So what? Yeah. So what? So what? For sure. Yeah. Well, it's, this is a, like, this is a privilege, right? Health and the ability to think about, you know, what we're putting into our body and how we're moving, you know, this is a privilege that we get until we die. And I think that that's also a really big mindset shift that we have to get into. It's not like, oh man, I get to start for, I have to start from the beginning. It's like, I get to start, right? And you're probably actually not starting from the very beginning. That was probably, you know, a mind trick. We all can get in our own heads in a very unhelpful way. But even if you were starting from the beginning, um, so what? That's a, what a great privilege, right? I, you know, I had a hip injury 
um, last year and I had to be off of running for about six, seven months. And I think what was the coolest part about the injury was I felt very much like, oh my God, I have to start from the beginning. This sucks, blah, blah, blah. And I really realized like I wasn't starting from the beginning in so many ways. I had a different mindset than I did 20 years ago. I had a different nutrition um, understanding, knowledge base than I did 20 years ago. Um, and now I've learned so much about the anatomy of my hip and what I had to do to keep it healthy. And also running when I did get to start back again, I got back into my, you know, very quickly. Like when I first started to run, it probably took me a full year to work up to being able to do 10K. And after my injury, it was like six weeks. So I think the body does remember. And I think that we get into trouble when we think that the only thing that we have gotten from getting fit is the physicality of it. Like you get so much more from fitness. You learn basically how to be courageous, right? Like if you think about mm. that, that famous quote, um, the, the hero and the coward have the same emotions. They just take different actions. And that's what I think is so cool about fitness. You learn that you can be so scared to try something new. You can be so um, not wanting to exercise. You can think like, this is going to be the worst thing ever, but you do it anyway. And you teach your brain that like you are courageous enough. You are professional enough to show up when you don't want to. You can stretch farther than you ever thought possible in a yoga class. You can make your heart pound in a run and that's making your heart stronger. Like it's giving your body data that you are kick ass, that you can do this, that you're a survivor. Um, and that even when you don't want to do something, or even when you've been ill for six months, or you've had a hip injury, that that doesn't matter that you come back and you learn from it. And so, yeah, I think that we get lots from periods of injury and turmoil and, and from each of the struggles, or at least we can get lots. Um, and I think that, you know, you said something about tweaking the, the different routines. And I think it's key for everybody to understand that we, not only does your fit um, change, you know, every decade or whatever, but it should change because you as a human are changing. So therefore the, your goals are going to slightly change. Your routine is going to change. So that's not a bad thing. Like a lot of people, I think, think of it as bad, but it's like, no, it's great. Like let things evolve as long as you're continuing to work and thinking that it's a non-negotiable daily thing that you have to do to move your body, how you do it should change, can change, you know, as new workouts come onto the scene. Like maybe you decide, you know, you, you really like Zumba and you've never done that before. How great. Maybe you decide that you're going to get really into strength training more than you ever have because you're worried about bone density. Great. You're going to be super strong and be able to carry all your groceries. You know, uh, maybe you're struggling with mobility as you get older or back pain from sitting all the time. Great. That's a great opportunity to learn more about LDOA, which is all about postural normalization. Like this is all fun stuff. The ability to change your program and tweak it. Like it's a, again, I go back to it. It is a privilege that we get to do this stuff. Um, and when we can change our mindset to that kind of opt-in, um, I'm excited about the challenge. Um, then then it can be something to look forward to because the, the, understand that the challenge is going to be there though, no matter what. So if you have a poor mindset about it, uh, mindset about the challenge, the challenge is still there. So it's not like you can wish away the challenge. So you either have the challenge with a good mindset or you have a challenge with a sucky mindset. And let me tell you from years of experience, a good mindset is going to make that challenge um, give you data that's useful in the future. A poor mindset is going to make you just want to go to bed. And then when you go to bed, the challenge will be there when you wake up. That is so true. <laughs> yeah. And what a better, what better time to challenge ourselves in healthy ways, like to actually have intentional self-challenge so that we can quote unquote rise up or 
<clears throat> excuse me, or um, overcome or show ourselves we're getting stronger every day so that when the challenges of life, like being at home all day with your kids or not being able to leave your house and go get your fingernails done or <laughs> get a massage, you know, <clears throat> or get your haircut. I want my haircut so badly. I know I do too. <laughs> well, I just, yeah. the thing that I'm telling myself um, with this COVID challenge, which is a huge challenge, um, for all of us in different ways and do it different degrees. You know, there's lots of people who are struggling much more than me. And I'm, you know, I'm very grateful every day for how lucky I am. But um, I keep saying to myself, every opportunity, every challenge, you're at a fork in a road. And the fork to the right is the challenge and a poor mindset. And with that, you often manage to, you know, you gain weight, you get less fit because the poor mindset sort of spirals you into making choices that you're going to not be proud of. Uh, you emotionally react, you yell at your spouse, you yell at your kids, you eat a bunch of food that you're not proud of. Um, and then you wake up when all of this pandemic is over and you're like, you know, 30 pounds heavier and you feel like crap. The if you take the road to the left, the challenge is still there but you're controlling what you can control and you wake up in six months and you can say, yeah, I might not have, you know, completed a marathon and I didn't, you know, break any, you know, of my personal bests, but I showed up every single day and I made the best choices possible and I did the best I could. And I feel really proud of myself. And that's the path I want to continue to take. Uh, and I, and that's really very, very helpful to me because it's, it's, not helpful to get angry at the pandemic. Like you, you know, it, it doesn't care. It's not listening to me. So if I wake up in the morning and be like, oh man, this just sucks. It's not fair. You know, it, I'm stuck at home. Like that's all true, but it's true either path that I take. Um, and yelling at the wind, like the wind doesn't care. The pandemic doesn't care. Like nobody's listening to me. Um, but if I go for a walk, um, if that's possible, wherever you live, I, I'm still able to go for walks um, in Toronto. Um, or if I get on my Peloton, which I love, or if I do some yoga, um, post-pandemic me and also current pandemic me is just going to be able to deal with the whole, like, whole situation better and I'm going to be proud of myself. And that's, that's what I can do. That's what I can control. Mm, love it. Love it. And it sounds like this kind of leads into the, the conversation we were having around training your brain. Can you speak to that for a minute? Oh yeah, I can, I can try. I love them. Um, so training your brain. The, so exercise um, is always good for the brain. It sort of keeps your brain alive and adaptive. Uh, and so, but if you think about it, it always has neuroprotective qualities, basically like going for a walk, going for a run, doing exercise, like strength exercises. But mm. if you think of more aerobic work as better for um, creating more blood, blood flow to the brain. So new blood vessels, brain circulation, that kind of stuff. That'll help with mental alertness, brain fog, um, being able to concentrate, that kind of stuff. So going for a walk mm -hmm. in the morning before you sit at your desk will be very helpful for your concentration. Or if you're getting kind of groggy in the middle of the day, getting up and doing some jumping jacks or putting on some music and dancing. Um, but if you mm. want to train the neuroplasticity portion of your brain, so that's the neural pathways, that's more where you want to get into anything that challenges sort of circulation, um, sorry, not circulation, uh, coordination, agility, anything that's new. So a new sport um, or a new dance routine, if you're at home, um, or even just doing squats or lunges with proper um, alignment and biomechanics. If you're not using, if you're not used to, for example, like recruiting your glutes or your lower abdominals or your transverse abdominals properly in a, in a, a movement. So the thing with um, anything that you do that, that trains your brain in a different way than it's used to, um, mm. that's where you get the neurons that 
fire together, wire together, they're having to wire together slightly differently because they're firing together slightly differently. Um, it's, that's what's called Hebb's law. So uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. So we get into um, neural ruts or pathways. And that's from everything from like how we think. So thoughts that just pop up into our brain. If we've always thought that way, they just seem completely unconscious. They just come up. You don't, th- you don't have to train yourself to think about them. So if you've somebody who've been really negative self-talk for years, that is a brain loop that you've trained. Um, so it's about untraining that loop. If you're somebody who've run in a certain way for years and it's caused um, injury, that's something that you can retrain because those are just neurological firing patterns of your muscles. Um, think about four levels of knowledge. So first you have unconscious incompetent, right? So that would be you have negative self-talk or you're doing your squat incorrectly, but you're not aware of it. Then you have um, incompetent conscious. So then you become aware that you're doing things that are not great, right? So you're aware of your unhealthy thoughts. You're aware that you're squatting incorrectly. uh, You're aware that you're running uh, with poor biomechanics. Then you go into the phase where you can consciously do something competently. So if you think about it, you could have healthy uh, self-talk. If you think about it, you can squat well. Um, and the tricky part and the most key part, part would be to go from the phase where you get to unconscious competent, right? So let's say you sit at your desk and you're really hunched over and that's causing you a lot of back pain. So first you're not even aware that you're doing that, but you have the pain. Then you become aware that you're hunched over, right? But, but you can't do it properly. Then you get to the phase where you can sit properly when you're aware of it. Um, and then it becomes training yourself enough times that you are able to sit properly without even thinking about it. And that's the tricky part. And that's where the intentionality comes in. So with posture at your desk, maybe you have to set an alarm that goes off every 15 minutes to remind you to sit tall. Maybe mm. you have to use a color challenge. So every time you see the color red, you stand up tall. Uh, maybe, right? Like it can be very fun or that could be the color challenge could be used even with self-talk. So it could be like every time you see the color red, you say to yourself, what was the last self-talk that I used? Was it positive? Was it ne- negative? Um, it could be working with a personal trainer to help you with your squat pattern, right? Um, so, and, so that's the phase where you have to just over and over and over again, retrain your patterning. So then eventually you have the positive self-talk, you have the good posture, you have the good squat pattern, and you can do it all unconsciously. And that's where we all, that's the goal for everything, basically, whether, as I said, whether it's self-talk or biomechanics. And um, that element of the neural repatterning comes from sort of doing the different things. So you could do, you know, instead of running only in the forward direction, you could even try running sideways, right? Because your brain's not used to that. You could try a new sport that you're not used to. Um, Anything just to challenge, you know, you could even do something like where you're doing burpees and instead of counting down from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, you could challenge your brain to count down like in, in sets of seven. So I don't know, like 103 and then whatever the next one would be like 96 and then 92 as you're doing the burpees. So you're challenging your brain at the same time. So that's, that's all fun things. Yeah. And it, I just kind of want to go back just for a second. Um, when you were talking about getting to the point of being able to do things, I think you meant like ultimately where we want to go is we want to be conscious, not unconscious, right? No, that's actually not what I mean. So the can you break that down again? Yeah, of course. It's it's very cool because think about it. If 
your brain cannot be conscious of everything that you're doing all at once. So the habits that we want that are the healthiest are we actually want them to be completely unconscious, but you have to be conscious to make them unconscious. So think about um, posture is best is is simple only just because I'm sitting here hunched over the computer. So you don't want to have to think about having good posture. You just want your body to unconsciously go to good posture. So the trick is, is the third phase is where you're conscious and you're competent. Ah. So you're doing it well consciously and you want to do it consciously enough for the most amount of time. So then eventually you actually do it competently without having to be conscious because you can't be conscious of everything at once. So if you're having to think about good posture while you're talking to your children you're not going to be able to always, you're either going to let go of the good posture or you're going to let go of talking to your children, right? Like you can't be conscious about everything. The brain has like a strobe light of attention. It's one of the things that's cool about the brain is we, we edit um, only certain things that are in our conscious mind and the rest of it's in our unconscious brain. So does that make sense? So it's, you have to use your intentionality purposely in phase three to make things conscious. So then eventually you don't have to be conscious of it. It just happens. You're just naturally making the right decisions. Totally makes sense. I know for me, like as a chiropractor, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does. Right. It sure does. And it takes a lot of consistency. I I like that idea of playing the color game or setting an alarm every 15 minutes or, you know, whatever it takes for you to bring your attention back to it and back to it. I know for me as a chiropractor, posture is a really important thing. And there are times when I'm more into my yoga practice and times when I'm less into my yoga practice. And I can say that when I'm consistent with my yoga practice, my posture is unconscious competent. Like I don't even Yes, isn't that awesome? And that that I love. Like so I about five years ago I had to retrain my running gait. And it was so freaking hard to retrain this gate. And for about six months, the new gate felt so awkward and so weird and so terrible. But I was in that consciously competent phase. Like when I thought about how my foot was supposed to hit the ground, I could do it. And now what's funny is that new gate, the better biomechanical gate, it's totally unconscious. Like I just do it. And that is what allows me to run longer distances with the better gait. And if I ever tried to go back to my old gait that used to feel normal, now that would feel not normal, right? And that's mm. what I try to instill in my clients is that creating new habits, it's very hard at the beginning because you have to create these new normals for your brain. But once they become your new normal, that's when all of life, healthy lifestyle sort of becomes easier because they're just part of you. Like, it's just like a dance. It's like a flow. Um, and you don't have to consciously be like, Oh, I won't have that donut. Like it just, you just don't have it. Like, you know, people often say to me, like, how are you so disciplined? And I'm like, I don't actually think a lot of time I am disciplined. I'm just, I don't, I don't naturally gravitate to a lot of those things that I used to gravitate to because I've created these new normals. Like it's just not even an option in my brain to have, you know, if somebody offers a donut, it's like, no, thank you. I don't need that. Um, and it just over years of just, you know, not going there, my brain doesn't even think about it. It's not an option. And that's the cool thing. More and more healthy things just become normal and natural and more things just become sort of things you don't even worry about. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I, I think what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, getting to that place of having those things be natural occurrences in your life, not eating the donut, it's taken you deciding that you're not going to put those things in your body and being yes. consistent about that for some amount of time. 
because I don't know about you, but like for myself, I have a, have a very clean diet. I'm probably in the top 99% clean diet. Like I'm clean dieter, but I will tell you, <laughs> I still, if I see a jelly donut or a chocolate covered donut with sprinkles, I would be like, oh, I wish I could have that, you know? Yeah. But I'm not going to do it because it makes me feel so shitty. Like it is bad news for me to go there. Mm, bad news bears. Yeah. So I think there's interesting trade-offs that happen. So I, a couple things. I think, yes, you're very, very, very correct. I liked how you synthesized um, my big rant. You have to first become intentional and consistently intentional about what you decide you are going to do and not going to do. And then it becomes an unconscious habit. So, um, but I think for me, it's also about understanding um, I call it my love it rule. So there are lots of things that I just don't even want. Like I don't like jelly donuts. So it's not, um, I just don't even think about it, but there are things. And even my older self, like as in my, when I did eat things like jelly donut, I didn't eat jelly donuts because I liked them. I ate them because I wanted the sugar and I wanted the emotional disconnection from my life. So I have learned to note the things that I truly love that are not very healthy for me and the things that are not very healthy that I don't love. And so the things that are not healthy that I don't love, I just, I just don't eat. But then there are a few things that are not maybe that healthy for my body, but I do truly love. So I love chocolate and I love these fudge bars. Mm. Um, and they're, they're PC fudge bars. I don't know if you guys have them in the States, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is that I used to always buy them and I would say like, oh, you'll just have one. Um, and the truth is I can't just have one. They are a red food for me. Like if I have one, I have the whole box, which is six. So I now just don't buy them. That's the system that I've created in my life that is very helpful to me because if it's not in the house, I can't eat them. Mm -hmm. um, but I do believe in my love it rule, which is mindfully having small portions of things that you absolutely love once in a while. Um, so I have the fudge bars at my mom's house and in the summertime, she has a pool. And if I, you know, if I'm sitting by the pool and we're having a lovely conversation, I'll have one of the bars, but I'm never going to have all six because I'm at my mom's house and I don't feel guilty about that because I truly love it. Um, so I try to teach my clients to just like weigh the pros and the cons and weigh what you love and know that there's trade-offs to life. So sometimes if you decide that you would like a small portion of something that's not great for your body and you're okay with the trade-off, as long as you've done it with intention, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is my clients sort of sitting on the TV, like watching TV, mindlessly eating crap that they don't even like, or going to a party and being really feeling very awkward and then mindlessly eating a bunch of food just so they don't feel as awkward, but they don't like the food. Um, so, but again, it goes back to being aware and knowing yourself well enough to know, like, am I feeding an emotional need right now? Am I lonely? Am I bored? Um, you know, and if I'm lonely, can I phone a friend? Am I bored? Can I do something like, can I knit or play a game? Um, can I go for a walk? Am I angry? Like what's going on in my emotional state? And is there another way to, to get that? That's not about the food. Uh, mm. and then if you do decide to have something like have it like, once in a while and have a small bit and really savor it and enjoy it and have something that you truly love. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, I would never eat a jelly donut. Is when I look at them now, I'm kind of like, Oh, gross. <gasps> but I like anything with sugar is like, <laughs> is a red food for me too. anything with sugar, like processed sugar. I can do like honey and maple syrup and those kinds of things. But even with that, I still have to be mindful because it's just easy to overeat those things in my world. Absolutely. I think it's easy to overeat that for everybody. 
Um, and that's why I think having systems set in place that respect who you are and what your goals are and like knowing what your red foods are, not having them in the house or knowing if you get awkward at parties that you have to have like a five minute rule where you say to yourself like, okay, I'm just going to move away from that food and get into a good conversation for five minutes, knowing that if you have a good conversation, you're going to forget about the food or like whatever it is, like having a glass of water so you don't, so you feel more full um, you know, only having healthy food prepped in the house, whatever your systems are. I'm a really big believer in setting up systems that um, set your future you up for success um, because motivation is an emotion and emotions come and go. So if you think like, oh yeah, on Monday I'll be fit or next week I'll be fit or January 1st I'll be fit, you know, that's the emotion that you're feeling at that moment. But future you is not necessarily uh, going to feel as motivated. So if you have the system set up, uh, like you don't have the fudge bar in the house, when I want a bar, it's not there. So I just, I don't have it. Um, but if it was there, I would have it because emotionally I would have, I would be in a different state than, um, you know, the past me that bought the bars was in. Right. So it's just about knowing yourself and setting yourself up for success. Totally, totally. And what would you say to the mothers who are right now listening to this and they're like, yeah, I wouldn't eat it, but it has to be in the house because my kids and my husband want this stuff. Well, that's a conversation that you have to have with your family. I mean, I don't have children, so I, I try very, very hard um, never to tell mothers what to do. I think that mothers are superhuman and amazing and I have such respect for them. So um, what I do with my partner, James, is we've had a conversation. I think it's all about open communication. So I've had a conversation with James where I've said, listen, these are my three red foods. I would never tell you what you should or shouldn't eat, but can you just not bring those three things into the house? Because I can have anything, like I can have Doritos in the house. I can have, like, he likes Doritos. He loves, he loves crappy food that I would never eat. But as long as he doesn't bring in chocolate peanut butter ice cream, I'm okay. Like there's a couple foods that I just know I can't control myself on. So maybe it's just that, you know, the mothers that are listening have a conversation with their kids and, their, and, the, and the dad and they say like, okay, these are the couple foods. Could we not bring those into the house? Or maybe they just decide that, you know, if crappy foods in the house, why do they want their kids and their husband to have those foods? That's right. So maybe they have a conversation with their family and they say, listen, I love you guys. And sugars, you know, processed crap is processed crap. It's not good for me and it's not good for any of us. We're not going to be our best self with those. So can we figure out some solutions of making the foods that you guys quote unquote love that's processed, but like in a healthier way. So maybe you get together as a family and you make like healthier, I don't know, at home granola nut bars without buy, so you don't have to buy the granola bars that are full of crap. Um, or maybe if you really love ice cream, like maybe you find a way to make like fruit sorbets with your family. Or, you know, a lot of my mom clients, they do um, popsicles, but they're just fruit juice. Um, you know, or like put bananas in the freezer and then you have like frozen mashed up banana. You know, there's lots of different ways to make things healthy. So make it a family affair, make it, you know, so I don't know. It's everyone has to figure out the way that they can do it for them. Um, but I, I don't really think that processed foods help anybody. No, they don't. And I love your recommendation of making it a family affair. I mean, I commonly like, cause I like sweet foods and, um, I'm, I'm really working diligently on not having any kind of processed sugar or not. Well, I don't, I don't ever do processed sugar, but any kind of like natural sugars in my diet right now, because I'm working on some physical things and 
so I'm, I'm going out of my way to find recipes that are natural sugar free, you know, so they're leaning more into the keto style. I'm not, I'm not saying go do a keto diet, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, it's, you can find recipes out there that are good. I just made some almond butter muffins that were oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah. It sounds yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if, I, yeah, having the communication both with yourself and your family, and maybe you make it a game. Like maybe you say, you know, the person who gets to find the recipe that we like the most this week for healthy muffins or whatever it is, um, you know, gets to choose the movie night for family movie night or whatever. Like you could oh. find a way to make a health challenge for your family. Like everybody has to get a certain amount of steps or, you know, a push up challenge or like, you know, every gets given a day of the week that there is it's their recipe day um you know make people gives people ownership over what's happening and have a really open dialogue like most people don't like being told what to do even children like if you say like you're not quote unquote allowed to do this but if you say to the kid like you know like what's something what's a food that you really like and they i don't know they name a vegetable or a fruit or whatever and then you say okay like why don't we try to find a fun recipe that includes that food, you know, so give people some ownership over the process. Most people really respond, most adults, kids, everybody, you know, you want to feel like you are in control of your own destiny. And if you understand the reasoning behind it also, that might make it better. Oh, I love this. I love this. You know, I'm just thinking about my own personal experience right now. My boyfriend and I, we've, we are, we can, we, we traveled together consciously homeless for three years. So we can be huh. in, in location together for a long time with each other and not have a problem. But I've noticed since we're not able to get away from each other right now, <laughs> that- It's hard, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, well, it's, it's actually hasn't been hard for us. The, the part that I'm feeling like that's getting pushed to the wayside is the fire and passion in our relationship. Mm. Because I feel like we're always in each other's space and not really necessarily connecting on something right. specific. Yeah, You need so that I intentional connection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love this. Hey, babe, you want to make a pizza tonight? Or, hey, babe, you want to make, and of course my pizza would be cauliflower crust. <laughs> totally, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, and I think it really it circles back to what we started the conversation with, of having grace with yourself and compassion, because listen, I don't want any of the mothers listening to think that I'm saying that you quote unquote have to be perfect with your, with this food process. Like this is all hard. It's hard at the best of time to get kids and yourself to eat well. Um, but this is particularly hard. So, you know, make it fun, make it have that gameful mindset, right? Where you're opting in and yes, it's going to be challenging, but how fun is the challenge? But also realize like if you have a day where it's not what you plan, like, you know, growth mindset, the, figure it out what happened and how it could be better and all that stuff. But don't go into the belittling, like self-talk that's not helpful. Don't go down that shame um, spiral. It's just, it doesn't do anybody any good. There's a really key differentiation that I like to make with all my clients, which is this idea of shame versus guilt. So Brené Brown talks a lot about shame and she just says that it's really key to understand that shame is connection to your self-worth as a human, whereas guilt is connection to a behavior. So again, we go back to the kid who got the math test, right? Bad math test. You don't say to your kid, you're a bad person because you got a bad math test. You say, okay, we're not proud or happy with that result. What can we do to make that result better? Um, and so I urge anybody listening, like if you are struggling to you know, create meaningful connection with your family at home um, or, or get healthier food choices or be more active, 
really try to step away from the shame. This is not about you being a good or a bad mother or you being a good or a bad human or your self-worth. This is about behavior changes. Um, so pinpoint the changes you want to make and have a growth mindset about it um, and then work to create those changes and learn from all of your experiences. Um, but you're still worthy as a human being. You're still a great mom. Um, you just maybe had a moment where you didn't make the best choice or you had many moments or you had an entire day. Like, listen, if you put on your pants and you didn't punch anybody, I think in COVID, like that's an A plus day right there. <laughs> right? Like, come on, seriously. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yes, exactly. So anyway, I think so growth mindset at the moment and step away from the shame. Like, you know, don't connect if you had the, you know, processed food to you being worthy as a human. It's like, oh, interesting. I had a few too much, a little bit too much sugar today. Okay. What can we do differently? And the nice part is, is because most of us are ordering groceries online. If you just don't put it in your online cart, it won't be delivered and you won't eat it. So just That's order right. what you want to eat. Um, yeah. Only bring in that food into the house that you want your future you and your future family to eat. Yep. Yep. I'm so with you on that. And, <laughs> and also I would just add, if, if you're bringing that stuff in because someone else in the household wants it, look to see if there's any part of your psyche that is using that as an excuse to have it. Yeah. Oh, so true. We all, it's amazing how we self-sabotage with ourselves, right? Because then mm -hmm. it comes into the house and it's like, oh, well, it's there. I quote unquote had to have it or he did it or she did it. So mm -hmm. I might as well do it. Listen, we all have to be their own barometer of our success. And yes, somebody else can bring it into the house. Um, but first have that communication with that person, talk to them about, you know, why or why not it shouldn't come in. But then no matter what, like you own your choices, um, you know, we create yes, our destiny through our choices. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That is so awesome. And I, and one of the things that we talk about on this uh, podcast is optimizing our, our physiology and optimizing our lives. And, and you, you believe that optimization needs to be optimized. Can you speak to that? Um, well, I think it just goes back to what I was talking about with systems. Like I think too often with health and wellness, we wish our way to health. We have like hope is not a strategy, but people often create what I call fitness wishes versus fitness goals. So goals are very specific. They talk about the when, the how, like what accommodations do I have to make? When is it going to happen? What exercise am I going to do? So versus like these grand statements of like, I will exercise. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Are you going to do 10 minutes of exercise every day? Are you going to do 20 minutes? Are you going to do two short walks? Are you going to do body weight exercises? Um, so figure out the details of your goals um, and then it's about the systems. And I can't stress this enough because the more habitual you can make things, the better, but also the more you can set your future self up for success, the better. So if you want to have healthy food and you know that life is crazy right now, intentionally set aside, you know, an hour on Sunday and cut up a bunch of vegetables and have a bunch of things prepped in your fridge. So then when it comes to be mealtime, it's just as easy to throw together a really big salad or a big quinoa bowl as it is to microwave, you know, some processed food, um, bring good ingredients into the household, set aside time to meal, meal prep, um, talk to your family about how can they, they can be healthy, helpful in that situation. 
uh, if you know that you need an accountability buddy, get that accountability buddy. If you know that you do better when you walk outside, like plan things, like plan when it's safe to go for walks outside, like whatever it is, you look at your week, you pick, put your big rocks into the schedule. Cause if it's not in the schedule, if it's not there, it won't happen. And then everything can sort of flow around those big rocks. Um, but I think we have to get away from thinking that if we wish it, uh, that it'll happen. And the more things that are automized, like if you just know, if you say, okay, the best system for me right now is a two hour chunk of work and then a half an hour walk and then another two hour chunk of work and then a half an hour walk. And then you set that system up. So it just sort of happens. Mm. Um, and know, as I said earlier, like that the systems that worked pre pandemic are, pro are probably not going to work in this pandemic. So you need new systems. Um, and then you'll have to change again when you go back to, you know, sort of more regular life. Um, and that's okay. Like that's part of struggling well is knowing that the only thing that's constant in life is change. So if you, you have to have sort of what I call the GPS of health. So you have your destination, which is um, eating well, exercising, moving every day, sleeping, you know, maybe some meditation. But if roads are closed, uh, you have to detour and find another route to that destination. And that's not failure. That's success. Like learning how to pivot um, and create those new systems is really key. Wow. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. I think that's important. I, and like, I, I have been struggling a little bit because I'm a, I'm a goal setter and I tend to set the bar really high huh? and I go after it as hard and fast as I can. And often I don't meet it because it's too high or I'm setting a goal for something I've never done before. Like I'm, I'm learning tech stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, I had no idea how much involved, how much this involved. So, you know, my, obviously I'm not going to be able to do this launch and all these things because I don't have the tech done, but I would set myself up for failure. I'd be like, well, damn, I didn't hit it again. Damn. I missed that deadline. Oh man, I'm not going to be able to hit that goal now, you know? And, and then what I came to understand for myself was having these long-term lofty goals isn't, isn't, ever going to be a win in my life. And so what I brought it back to, and you might have better tips on this, but what I brought it back to is I'm going to have daily wins. What are my I daily wins going to be today? And, and celebrate that. Yes. I think celebrating the little wins and we go back to my story, right? Like I celebrated the fact that I could walk for 10 minutes on the treadmill, which then allowed me to walk for 20 minutes, which then, you know, allowed me to walk for 30. Like those little wins, they add up and there's a huge compound interest for all of the small little habits, little bits of water that you drink, little bits of wa um, walking that you do. Uh, I think that we often really overestimate the importance of the big things and underestimate the importance of those small things that we do every day, mm. which then turns into the big things. Um, and as for goal setting, I mean, again, it's about thriving in your lane. Like everyone is going to do goal setting differently. And maybe you need multi-layered of goals. Like maybe you need that big, crazy goal that maybe happens in five years and then you need your daily goals and then you need your weekly goals and then you need a monthly goal or maybe you're somebody who just says like my goal is to be in the moment and have like enjoy the process or it's I work very well with sort of I usually set a monthly intention of something that I kind of want to work on um, and then I usually have a longer term goal and then I break that longer term tool term goal into daily things that I have to do because I love checking off my list. That makes me feel really productive. Um, but I don't think there's one way to do it, except that you have to have the systems that are going to set yourself up for success. And because, so the brain works in what's called present bias. So meaning it thinks that how it feels in this 
this moment is how it will always feel. And that can, right. Which is just not yeah. true. So you think like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, Oh my God, I'm so tired. I can't possibly do a workout. Well, but you would feel better in half an hour if you did a workout, but your brain is like, well, cause I feel tired now. I'm always going to feel tired. That's your unconscious brain. So your conscious brain has to say like, Nope. Um, thoughts are not facts. You know, they're just thoughts. And just because I have this thought doesn't mean it's true. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do a workout and I'm going to feel better. Um, but if you have a system set up, which is maybe you have a workout buddy waiting for you, or you go for a walk with your husband or your, uh, your kids, um, or you're doing some type of dance party with your family in the living room or whatever the system is, is that then that's going to help you get out of bed. Um, but, and it also works the other way. You think like, just cause I'm really motivated now that I will be motivated five hours from now. Well, that's also not true motivation, as I said earlier, comes and goes. So the trick is, is know what type of goal setting works for you and then create the systems that you need to make sure you follow through on those goals. Um, so if the goal is to work out every single morning for 10 minutes, how are you going to make that happen? You can't wish it into existence. Hope is not a strategy. You're going to wake up your alarm. You're just going to want to snooze your alarm. You're going to be tired. So how, what's going to get you out of bed? Is it the coffee that you have brewing? Um, you know, some people that gets them out of bed. Is it the workout buddy? Is it setting the alarm across the room so you have to get out of bed to, to turn it off? Whatever that is, like know you, do you, but have the system because otherwise you're just going to not do it and feel really frustrated about yourself. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. This is so, so many yeses. I know. It's, but again, and if you don't hit the goal, right? If you do get frustrated, I just go back to growth mindset. It. It's not a shaming moment. It's not about you as not being worthy as a human. It's just that you need better systems and you need to learn from that experience. So all experiences are data um, and you're just not good at this yet. So you just have to keep working, 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 working. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> I often use that as a, um, people say, well, I don't know. I, I just really am not good at this. And I always say yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're not good at it yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and also have you earned the right to be good at it? Right? Like that's the other thing. If you go for a run and it's really hard and you've never run before, like why should you be good at it? Like you haven't earned that. It took me years to be good at running. Like, you know, work at it. So there's lots of things I'm not good at. Like I'm not necessarily great at technology, although I'm getting better at it during this COVID stuff because I'm having to get better at it. But like, why should I be good at it? I never really earned the right to be good at it. I didn't practice it, right? So you get better at things you practice and you have it's to earn true. the right to be good at things. It's true. Yeah. My mind is commonly, oh, I, I always want to be the best I can be at everything I do. <laughs> For sure. We all do, but it, it takes work. And as yeah. I said, you know, like thoughts are not facts. So just because you have that thought of like, oh man, I'm not good enough. I should just stop. Like, it's like, oh, well, who cares? That's my thought. But the fact is, is that I'm going to keep going. I'm going to have courage and I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And it doesn't matter what my, 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 un, like my brain tells me, I'm, I'm not going to uh, give in to that unhelpful thought. Yeah, for sure. Because when I go there, which is less and less now, but when I go there, it takes away from the joy of the experience. 100%. And yeah. And your current self doesn't feel good. Your future self doesn't feel good. Like the whole thing just doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. This has been such a lovely conversation. Yeah, you're wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we close? Um, no, I think I would just say to everybody listening, um, the Dr. Seuss quote, which is, those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. Meaning, mm -hmm. 
stop worrying about, you know, people on the internet and what Instagram thinks or, you know, friends that you don't really respect what they think about what you're doing or what they're, what you're not doing. People who matter in your life, they're not going to unhelpfully judge you. They're going to support you. They're going to be a good, safe container. And people that are judging you, they're pretty much just judging themselves um, Mm -hmm. and they don't matter. And so much of this health journey is about learning that to thrive in your lane and that we have to set the line of what we're going to be proud of and what decisions are going to make us happy. And we have to let go of all the people that are just noise in our life. And we have to say sort of, thank you for your opinion, but you know what? I'm going to do what makes me proud. And Mm -hmm. the few people in your life that you care about, like I really care if James says something to me, um, I listen because I respect him and he loves me. And I know he does. If my mother says something to me, I listen. I don't necessarily do what they say, but I listen. But there's a lot of people, you know, they judge me and that's great. They can do all the judging they want. And I just make the decisions that I'm proud of. I live in my integrity. So Dr. Mm. Zeus is a very smart doctor. (laughs) Those that matter don't mind. And those that mind don't matter. Yeah. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I love also the way you say thrive in your own lane, because I think so often we compare ourselves to other people that we should be where they're at, or I'm smarter than them. Shouldn't I be there already? Um, Whatever the story is. Right. But then, then you're not thriving in your own lane. You're trying to be in the lane. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Be you thrive, you thrive being you. And also comparison is the thief of joy. Like as soon as you start with that judgment and the comparison, and I should be better, you start shooting all over yourself. It's just terrible. Like it just makes life crap. It does. And it's, and it's not helpful, right? Like if it was helpful, then maybe you should do it, but it's not. So stop it. It's just, it, it doesn't make us happier or healthier or more productive or less anxious or any of that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, you're my absolute pleasure. It was such a joy. Yeah. Cool. And ladies, I'm just going to put a few links on the show notes. We'll have a link to Kathleen's uh, webpage, which is also has an, uh, where you can sign up to receive her newsletter. She'll get all this wonderful, inspiring information in your email box. I'm also going to put a link to her Twitter Uh, a page and her Facebook page. So you'll have access to her information there as well. Yeah. And please reach out anytime. I love talking to people. So if you have questions or you have concerns um, and my website also has what I call my, what I'm reading section, which is all the books that I really have found useful and sort of my main takeaways from them. So if you liked any of the things that I referenced like Brené Brown or Carol Dweck, just go on my website and check out the, what I'm reading section. Um, and if you found the COVID, uh, stuff helpful, I've written some blogs on that. So there's a COVID sanity pack on the website that you can check out as well. Ooh, I think everybody needs that. (laughs) Yeah. We all need as much help as we can get. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll also, uh, Kathleen, I'll put your, put links to your book so that people can go buy your book as well. If they want to get that deeper information from you. Fantastic. Awesome. Ladies, thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. You know, I love sharing this kind of inspiring, beautiful work with you. And uh, in the words of my teacher, um, you are the culmination of the five people you hang around most. And you just spent about an hour with some really cool chicks. So know you're cool. and uh, have a beautiful and blessed day. Thank you for listening to the ultimate biohack for women. If you'd like to dive deeper with our tribe, join us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you'd like to help grow our tribe, share this episode with your friends. Let's bring this light to our community so that other women can know their true power and we can create a tribe together worth being in.
This podcast is for information purposes only. Dr. Brandy Victory is not a medical doctor, and the views and statements expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Dr. Brandy Victory and the producers, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.